I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's level one adult and pediatric trauma center. Please remember, we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. Dr. Hilden is taking the day off today. A return guest host is Dr. Sam Ives. Good morning, Dr. Ives. Good, good to see for, you again. Good morning, Denny. Thanks for having me. You have a good time since we, we've spoken last? Uh, like it's many Minnesotans, I took my family to Florida and you know got a little break from this and hoping for spring at least by May. <laughs> There's a lot of people hoping the same thing. Uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Dr. Sam Ives has filled in for, uh, for Dr. Hilton several times on the show. Uh, he works in both inpatient and outpatient internal medicine at Hennepin Healthcare. He has particular interest in medical education, working with residents and medical students, uh, hematology, and the social determinants of health. I'm going to ask you in just a moment about how what it's like working with medical students, if that keeps you on your toes. But I want to give our folks a, a heads up that this is an open line show. That means uh, you can uh, t- talk to Dr. Ives either by phone or send Dr. Ives a text, general health questions. So if you have a question about your health or someone you care about, 651-989-9226. We've cleared the lines. Or send doc- the doctor uh, your text. That number is 81807. Well, what's it like working with medical students? Do you enjoy that, first of all? Yeah, I work with medical students from the University of Minnesota. Um, they're obviously very bright people, so they kind of keep you on your toes. I and I learn a good deal from them. You know, a lot of people coming through medical school will have uh, a lot of access to the latest information. And so we're all trying to not turn into dinosaurs in terms of just basing our care on what we learned in medical school. So a real advantage of working in a teaching hospital and with students is it kind of keeps you learning every day. Now, what is, like in your case, uh, in, in internal medicine, uh, Doc, what, what was, how many years did you have to get us to beginning to the end? That's no end yet, but. Sure. So I'm in my uh, 13th year after medical school. And so over that time, you know, a good deal has changed. Uh, a lot of our listeners might hear uh, guidelines based on high blood pressure or guidelines for cholesterol medications. Mm-hmm. Or, for example, with cancer treatments, even over a 10-year period, a good deal has changed from what was kind of established, this is what you're supposed to do, to oh, maybe we're not so sure. What, what are the guidelines? You mentioned blood pressure, I, I know. 
Uh, so blood pressure guidelines uh, changed a lot in light of a big research trial that was called the SPRINT trial. And this trial was looking at how uh, closely blood pressure should be controlled, particularly in older individuals. And what the trial showed is that uh, we used to think that 140 for the top number was a good goal. And the older you were, doctors tend to give you less medicine um, because you're on so many other things anyway, so less blood pressure medicine. So the new trial showed that there may be a benefit in kind of lowering blood pressure below 140, particularly in individuals who are above 60 years old. So this may be something you talk to doctor, your doctor about, about what is your goal blood pressure? And this is a pretty new area where there are a lot of interesting guidelines and research. As you know, Dr. Hilden jokes around a little bit about being an internal medicine physician, as you are. But uh, what does he claim? Uh, we drink coffee and talk a lot. Uh, but who, what type of patient do you, do you treat normally? So internal medicine, it's kind of an interesting name. It just means general adult doctor. So a family physician might treat adults and kids and even do a little bit of OBGYN work. And an internal medicine doctor, we do all adult work, no kids. And we do uh, uh, non-surgical work for the most part. So we might see people for blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. In the hospital, we'd see people for infections, kidney problems, heart problems, uh, a whole wide range. So I'm an expert in nothing but see a wide variety of things. Now, uh, as far as a family practice physician, what do they do? do they treat- so family medicine treats across the age spectrum. So they do they do pediatrics as well as adults. So you can kind of think of a family medicine doctor as an internal medicine doctor plus a pediatrician plus a little bit of the OBGYN. Some of rural family medicine doctors in general might do a little bit of OBGYN work. Okay, very good. 651-989-9226 if you have a, a general health question for Dr. Sam Ives. Uh, and the text number is 81807. Do you see one there? Sure. So we have a couple calls already. Uh, one of the texts says, can I use a medication called clonazepam as a sleep aid? So clonazepam is a type of medication called a benzodiazepine. Uh, listeners might be familiar with drug names such as clonopin or Xanax mm. or Ativan or Valium. Uh, these are actually terrible medicines to be a sleep aid because they're very habit-forming. So someone might say it actually would knock you out today, but you'd be very dependent upon it after a period of time. Uh, so you might want to talk to your doctor about more natural solutions or even using melatonin, a natural hormone, rather than clonazepam. Antidepressant question, uh, 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 the texture says, does it make it difficult to maintain a healthy weight? Is there an issue with with some of those? So the texter asks, you know, do antidepressants affect your weight? And they do. So different, there, uh, the good news is that there are many different antidepressant medications uh, and their effect on weight varies by the medication. So Lexapro is a type called an SSRI, similar to Prozac and Paxil, among others. And that one has some effect on weight. There are other medications that might have more or less. So it'd be important to consider, you know, uh, the side effect profile of the medication itself. As this of Dr. Hilden uh, in recent shows about flu, if you at the hospital have seen uh Many flu cases, it seems like, a, a, if I can use the term, lighter year. But I want to ask you about that. Plus, what about the whole measles issue going? 
So for the flu season, you know, we can't really base much early in the season on what the year will be like. So we, we're using our best guess on how effective the vaccine will be and how bad a year it is. This year is kind of a medium year. We do see a lot of people in the hospital still that are hospitalized with the flu. So it's not a peak epidemic year where our hospital is all full of flu cases, but we're seeing a lot of that. In terms of the measles, um, when we, you know, our older listeners might say when they were kids, they actually saw people who were very sick with measles. And unfortunately, uh, because of how effective vaccines are, people have forgotten what a devastating illness this is. So uh, the measles outbreaks, um, measles can be fatal. Uh, Measles can particularly, you know, lead to little, very little kids being hospitalized. And so just because uh, we almost eradicated measles, there's been this huge rise in not getting vaccines. And this is very, very dangerous. And it's also dangerous for all of those. uh, You getting your vaccine helps others in the community. So really, there's not a good reason not to get a measles vaccine. Yes. 651-989-9226. If you want to phone in your question for the doctor, or again, if it's easier, send a text. A lot of folks like that method, 818. 807-81807. Grab, grab on there. Sure. So someone asked about just having problems with pain in the neck and range of motion and saying, you know, uh, an older woman having pain in the neck and problems with range of motion, tried physical therapy, massage therapy, and yoga. Um, what other options are available? So a lot of listeners may suffer from chronic back or neck pain. And usually the way to think about this is there's probably not one thing that you're going to do to make that better. So if you suffer from long-term back or neck pain, a combination may be the most effective thing. That might mean there's some type of pain medication, like a skin cream that you'd rub on the area. You might continue to do physical therapy or pool therapy for that. And you might need different types of medications Uh, or some other thing to help with that. So the important thing to think is that we really don't have a silver bullet for long-term back or neck pain. What ends up being most effective is a combination of two or three things to help with that. Along those lines, doctor, what can one do, a texture says, about sciatica and muscle spasm and the pain is is excruciating? So sciatica is a shooting pain down the leg. Uh, There's a sciatic nerve that comes out of the back and goes down the leg. Uh, In general, sciatica responds very well to physical therapy and activities. So you might think if you're having back pain, just resting on the couch would be the best therapy. But sciatica is best treated by being really active. Uh, There are other therapies that can be done. But in general, uh, sciatica doesn't respond great to most medications like pain medications. So usually we're thinking about ways to get someone active through physical therapy, pool therapy, or some other modality to really get them up and moving to help with that pain. I noticed in in past shows, uh, you and and your colleagues have talked about uh, how great the great folks you have at Hennepin, uh, physical therapists there. There, There's a lot of other avenues that, uh, that you can try. Yeah, and I think anyone who's in pain, the idea of doing a bunch of exercises does not sound appealing. <laughs> yes. But, you know, the way that I'd like to think about it is what they're teaching you is a set of tools that you can carry forward. So if I'm uh, having back pain and I'm back at home, I might be even watching TV and be able to do a few of the exercises I learned through the therapy program, which ends up being much more effective than taking pain pills. 
All right, I tell you what, I know it's uh, coming up time for a quick break here, but the folks uh, on the line, stay there if you want to ask. It's an open line show, so you're driving the show. We're not going to talk about any particular topic. So call Dr. Ives at 651-989-9226, or again, if it's easier, send a text, 81807. want to mention, too, as we head to this break, that great trauma care means great primary care for the whole family, we're talking about adults and kids today, including their little ones. Head up in healthcare has five convenient locations with pediatric care uh, located downtown and the West Metro, too. If you need care right away for a sick child, there are walk-in hours at the new downtown clinic and specialty center. Great building with convenient ramp parking. So learn more at hennepinhealthcare.org slash pediatrics. All right. Let's take a quick break here. We'll be back with more from uh, Dr. Sam Ives and your calls and your text messages on an open line show here on uh, News Talk 830 WCCO. It's 30 degrees. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. You drive the show by your phone calls and text messages for guest host Dr. Sam Ives. There is one line open if you want to fill it, 651-989-9226. Or send the doctor your text, 81807. We have a bunch of those, too. Uh, let's go uh, to the phones. Uh, first of all, Patty in Minneapolis is first up here. Patty, good morning. Yes. Um, I, first of all, I really enjoy your show. But you. um, my question's kind of sad. I have a niece that's addicted to uh, Oxycontin and Oxycodone. And um, she has come just short of dying from it twice, you know. The family was called in to say goodbye, and um, I am just wondering, does that drug Narcan work on those so, uh, two drugs? Yeah, so uh, thank you for the call, Patty, and I'm very sorry to hear about your niece. Uh, the drug Narcan is a reversal agent for opiates such as oxycodone or oxycontin. Uh, Narcan is not a drug that helps treat addiction. It just treats someone for an overdose. So a paramedic, if someone had stopped breathing from taking too much oxycodone, would administer Narcan. Um, To that point, though, there are medications. One is called Suboxone or Buprenorphine, and another is called Methadone that are used to help people get off of oxycodone and so forth. So your niece, if she's uh, willing to seek care or able to do that with the addiction, there are addiction medicine doctors, including at Hennepin Healthcare, that would treat this. Um, This is a devastating illness. Um, It really is something that is under-treated in our community, and it is something that there is treatment for. So there are providers who prescribe these medications that help with that. Narcan is the short-term solution of keeping someone from dying, but it does not treat addiction. Thank you, Patty, for the call. Uh, let's talk to Jim, who's calling in from uh, Hutchinson with a question. Jim, you're on uh, CCO. Good morning. Thank you, Patty, for the call. Uh, Jim, Jim, uh, pl- turn you on. Turn. Hutchinson, right. question. Jim, you're on. Uh, Dennis, let's put him on hold. He uh, should be uh, uh, turning down your radio. Marilyn, in the meanwhile, is calling from Shoreview. Go ahead, Marilyn. Hi, doctor. Thanks for my call. Um about a month ago, I started having back spasms in the evenings, like about right around 9, nine o'clock. And um, they're kind of in the middle of my back. What is the, I, as of yesterday, I started doing some twisting and stretching. Um, is that the best thing, or I just heard you say something about exercise? Uh, 
Thanks for the call, Marilyn. I think that for back spasms, um, being active is important. So we used to think that, you know, if you threw out your back, the best thing to do was take a couple days of rest. And we actually have research that shows that people who are active sooner um, tend to stay active rather than the muscles tend to get more sore. If it's really in the first couple days, um, you depending on uh, what other medications you take, someone will use the medications Tylenol or uh, ibuprofen for back spasms. Um, but I think doing stretching activities and a little bit of physical activity may be helpful. So you might do a little bit of walking, um, doing lifting of very lighter weights at first. So we don't recommend heavy activity at first, but I think that the back spasms tend to run their course over a couple of weeks. If it's been more than a couple of weeks and the back is still hurting you, then seeing a doctor would be important. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's go back to Jim. I think he's on uh, the right page this time. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. How can we help you? Yeah, I was interested that the horrible... Uh Hormetic oxygen therapy, and if it's covered by Medicare, so there's any uh, things that it doesn't cover. So in general, hyperbaric oxygen is something that's used for a few different things. The most common reason we'd hear people using it is for wound care, so it might help heal a sore. So the most common thing might be a patient with diabetes that has poor wound healing and has a sore on their foot, and they do hyperbaric for that. In general, it is covered by insurance, be that Medicare or other. The one thing to know is that it's an in-person treatment. Obviously, it can't be done in your house. So we have a huge chamber at Hennepin Healthcare, and it's one of the few places in the whole state that they'd have it. So someone wouldn't be able to say, well, I can't come and go. You have to be able to be on a schedule where you would come and do the treatment on site. So sometimes the logistic challenge for our patients is the biggest deal of someone saying, well, I can't come every morning or I can't get transportation. Those are often harder than the actual insurance coverage. Yeah, t- tell us a little bit about that hyperbaric chamber. What, what, why would one use that? What are the reasons? So basically, you can kind of think of it as that in the chamber that you're getting more oxygen than usual. And so sometimes because it's pressurized inside the chamber, um, almost in the same, you know, in in a different way than an airplane, the air would be pressurized. It's particularly good at getting increased uh, oxygen to tissue. So to try to help heal a wound is the most common reason. There are some other specific treatments. So, for example, we hear about carbon monoxide poisoning in the winter, and hyperbaric oxygen can treat that. So we sometimes have patients flown down from Duluth or outstate Minnesota for that. But in general, hyperbaric, the main treatment we use it for, the kind of day-to-day is for wound healing. All right. Let's grab a text or two before we break. Okay. Joyce had a question about uh, Fosamax or Alendronate and osteoporosis medicine and saying what's better to use Fosamax or an infusion for osteopenia, which is weakening of the bones, or osteoporosis, the more severe type. In general, uh, there's advantages and disadvantages. Alendronate is a once-a-week medicine, so you don't have to take it every day, but sometimes an infusion can be done once per year. So there's a real advantage of saying. Some people say, well, I don't want to get a needle or an IV even if it's once a year. The once-a-year treatment tends to be very effective, but as you can imagine, when you're thinking of cost, it's also more costly. Fosamax has been around for some time, so you might want to talk to your doctor specifically to say what's the benefit of infusion, less frequent, more expensive, need to get an IV, versus Fosamax once a week. It's just a pill. 
and you need to be able to absorb it well. So, All right, it's a trade-off. A trade-off. Yes. Can you grab another one there, Doc? Sure. So uh, another texter said, I'm 78 years old and injured my wrist. The doctors say it's not carpal tunnel or arthritis, just deterioration. It's swollen and painful. Any suggestions? So uh, if you have a longer-term pain in the wrist, sometimes someone will use a brace for the wrist, and that might be the easiest treatment. You have a lot of ligaments within the wrist, so even if it's not the carpal tunnel, you can still have a lot of pain with lifting and so forth. A simple brace, particularly used uh, with activity, might be a reasonable solution. All right, grab another one. All right. Uh, Another person asks, what causes foot or toes to turn bluish or purple without injury? So uh, we all live in Minnesota and a lot of uh, most of our CCO listeners, I should say. And some people get particularly blue, purple or even whitish discoloration of their fingers or toes with very cold weather. And sometimes people have spasm of the artery that goes to the hands or feet, so they get particularly cold. And this has a name. It's called Raynaud's phenomenon. It's more common in women than men. Uh, It can be uh, just a disease unto itself or can be associated with some other illnesses. So really the first treatment for this is bundling up. Some people will wear extra layers, but if they have particularly so painful hands or feet or they're getting sores, as a result, there are medications that could help. All right, very good. I know we're up against the clock here. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you have a general health question for Dr. Sam Ives, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Or again, the text number, we have a bunch of those, 81807. We mentioned this last week about the children, you can bring the kids or grandkids to Hennepin Healthcare's Teddy Bear Clinic along with their favorite tattered teddy bear. It doesn't have to be a teddy bear. It can be any other stuffed animal. And this is going to be Saturday, May 4th from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. So 8 to 11, Saturday, May 4th. The event is a great opportunity to help the kids become comfortable with medical personnel and the medical equipment they may experience on a visit to the doctor or hospital. Again, that is on May 4th, Saturday, from 8 to 11. It's going to be in the emergency department at Hennepin, located at 730 South 8th Street. So bring the kids and the grandkids. If you want more information, just go to uh, hennepinhealthcare.org slash teddy. Again, hennepinhealthcare.org Slash Teddy again. It's going to be Saturday, May fourth. It's a great opportunity for the kids and grandkids. Eight a.m. to eleven a.m. In the meantime, as we head to CBS News, sunshine today. Later on today, highs near forty-seven. We'll get more melting going on uh, tonight. Clouds move in, lows of thirty. Uh, tomorrow for your Monday, mostly cloudy. High near fifty-two, and then uh, by Tuesday we'll be back to partly sunny skies. Highs then. Near 61 degrees, maybe a chance of showers midweek on Wednesday. Overcast right now here on 830 WCCO, it's 30 degrees. And good morning. If you're just joining us, uh, Dr. Sam Ives is your guest host today. Dr. Hilden taking the day off today. Dr. Ives works in both inpatient and outpatient internal medicine at Hennepin Healthcare. Uh, He has particular interest in medical education, works with residents and medical students 
uh, interest in hematology and the social determinants of health. And as I mentioned, Dr. Sam Eyes has guest hosted here many, many times, filling in for Dr. Hilden, who will be back, by the way, uh, next week. Well, as you can see, Dr. Ives, we have a lot of text messages. That seems to be the easiest method of getting the question. It's an open line show. You can call in your questions or you can text your questions in. There is a line open at 651-989-9226. Or if you prefer, send uh, Dr. Ives your text, 81807. Should we pick up on a few of those? Sure. We'll do a couple texts here. So one person asked and said, I'm a type 1 diabetic and see an internist. Should I also see an endocrinologist? So uh, type 1 diabetes is where you don't have enough insulin. And in general, we do recommend seeing an endocrinologist in addition to your primary care doctor. The reason for this is that uh, type 2 diabetes, your your blood sugar levels tend to not fluctuate as much throughout the day. But type 1s can be really up and down. Some people will use a more complicated regimen of insulin, and some people will use an insulin pump. And some of these things really gets detailed to the level where your general medicine doctor unless they have a particular expertise in this, would typically have you see an endocrinologist to help work it out. Type 2 diabetes, you may not need to see an endocrinologist, a diabetes specialist for this type of disease. What, what the, the insulin pump, what is the, how does that work? It, uh, it, it goes underneath the skin and can infuse insulin throughout the day. So rather than doing a shot, for example, doing a twice-a-day shot or a pre-meal shot, someone could do a pump where they... It, you get a constant infusion 24 hours a day. So it's a medical device that someone would use, particularly with advanced diabetes or type 1 diabetes in particular. All right, let's uh, go to the phone. Sally is uh, calling from Maple Grove, I believe. Good morning, Sally. Good morning. Uh, the question is what, how to help a person with the fluoroquinolone toxicity. Um, she was an active person teaching um, just doing a great job and had sinus surgeries, infections through the years, and now has uh, fluoroquinolone toxicity from taking Levaquin, which um, evidently destroys or ruins tendons. So it's chronic pain, terrible um, situation, and doctors don't seem to have too many suggestions to help. What do you think, doctor? So uh, fluoroquinolones are a class of uh, antibiotics. So the caller mentioned levoquin or levofloxacin, and ciprofloxacin is another name people might be familiar with. The caller mentioned that this can cause tendon injury, such as injury of the Achilles tendon, and this is a well-known side effect of this medication. Unfortunately, um, we know more about the side effect than we do of an effective treatment. So uh, while this does affect tendons, we don't have a medication that's an antidote uh, to this. And so typically we're stopping the medication. We might do treatments to try to do physical therapy or help the specific tendon involved. And in severe cases, we've had people require surgery because of this complication like a rupture of a tendon. So it's a fairly common antibiotic, but uh, this side effect is not something everyone would get, obviously, but it is kind of a dreaded side effect of the medication. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. Text number is 81807. A bunch of those we have. Uh, so someone asked, how beneficial is red wine for preventing cancer or heart attacks? And they mentioned that uh, perhaps a liquor store or establishment has promoted this as a heart-healthy choice. So uh, a glass of red wine per day um, may reduce the risk of heart disease 
But I would say in terms of what I would recommend to people, this is nowhere near the top of the list. So if someone was getting very little exercise or they were overweight, drinking red wine really isn't where to spend their time in terms of investing in. So we also know that excess red wine is not healthy. So in general, we don't think red wine is a treatment to prevent cancer. It may reduce the risk of heart disease in low doses, but once you're having a higher dose, once you have the second glass of red wine, that may actually be detrimental or worse. So if you're thinking about how to benefit your health, um, drinking wine usually is not what the doctor recommends. All right, very good. Uh, Yes. Uh, What else can you find there, Doc? So someone uh, asked and said, my 93-year-old dad uh, currently got a pneumonia shot, but he still got pneumonia. He caught it early. He was okay. But what can he do to avoid pneumonia? So uh, there is a shot called the pneumococcal vaccine, which prevents uh, or reduces the chance of having pneumonia. Like the texture mentioned, this is not 100% effective. So even if you have the shot, you may still get pneumonia. Um, So we still do recommend getting a shot. We recommend getting a flu shot, which reduces your risk of pneumonia. And also in an older individual, sometimes we might evaluate how well they're swallowing. Uh, We know that sometimes older people will have a little bit of what we call aspiration, where food's getting down the wrong tube, and that can increase the risk of pneumonia. So your dad might get evaluated with uh, how his swallowing is going. We want to make sure that he would get appropriate vaccinations. And we would also want to make sure if he has any difficulty with swallowing, that he would see a speech therapist to kind of talk about how that swallowing is going and how to reduce the risk. I know we haven't talked about it for a long time about that particular uh, shot for for pneumonia, but who should get that one? Is that a longer lasting one? Do you have to have a a booster later? What's the story with that? It, it, uh, it gets confusing because there's now two different types of pneumonia shots for adults. In general, uh, a quick guideline is if you're over 65, it's recommended to get the shot. If you're under 65 and have a severe illness such as congestive heart failure or COPD or bad diabetes, you'd be recommended to get the shot. And the last group to highlight, which unfortunately is still a big piece of the population, is smokers are at very high risk of pneumonia, and so they're recommended to get the shot. So if you're over 65, uh, you're recommended to get it, or under 65, smokers or people with some long-term illnesses would get the shot. How long does that last? Uh, it gets a little complicated because there's two different shots. So sometimes someone will get one and then the other. Uh, in general, it lasts a few years. But after you've had it more than twice, typically you're not getting it more than that. Okay, very good. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. if you want to call in your question. This is an open line show today. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Dennis is calling in from uh, Apple Valley. Dennis, you're on with the doctor. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Uh my son uh, recently, uh, a few months ago, was diagnosed with uh, cerebellar atrophy, uh, which is he was start. He lives in a group home, and he's been there for several years. And he has uh, uh, apparently it's a result of taking Dilantin when he was a kid uh, for seizures. And he's up in you know he's in his forties now, but uh, he was having a tendency to fall, and then the brain scans indicate that he's got this atrophy as a result of taking Dilantin. Is there anything that they can do for uh, rehab or uh, uh, slowing down the progression of the disease? 
well, thank you for the call, Dennis. Um, I'm very sorry to hear that your son has really suffered over a period of time. That sounds very challenging. And um, the disease that you mentioned, cerebellar atrophy, just means cerebellum is a part of the brain, and atrophy means you know decrease in size. And so. Uh, with this, if there's uh, shrinking of a portion of the brain as a med side effect, uh, typically what we do is try to do types of therapy to help that area of the brain to make sure it helps your son. So it affects balance, the cerebellum. And so sometimes someone would do physical therapy or occupational therapy to work on their balance. Um, some of this disease is fairly uncommon. So I would have to say that a neurologist or a brain doctor might be able to comment on if there are specific treatments. To my knowledge, there is not a specific treatment for this illness beyond doing physical or occupational therapy. I don't know of any treatments, but that said, I would recommend if I were seeing your son, I would consult with a neurologist about this. I'm sorry he's suffering. A texter wants to know, maybe you can explain what's what's A1C. They want to know, is an A1C, how dangerous is a 9.7 reading? So A1C is a measure of diabetes control. So it tells us about the last three months. So if we check your A1C here in April, it'll tell me about March, February, and January, how good your blood sugar control is. So as opposed to checking your sugar where you do the finger prick and they'd say, my blood sugar today is 125, this A1C is a great number to help doctors because it tells you over time. In general, a great A1C is a number, uh, if you ha- uh, above 6.5 is you have diabetes. Uh, a number below 7 or 7.5 is under pretty good control. Uh, I would sort of classify 9.7 is, as not great, um, but seen worse. So if I were to see a patient who had an A1C of 9.7, we would certainly be looking at other medications to try to lower it because if we lower it further, it reduces the risk of some complications of diabetes, such as nerve pain, kidney problems, and eye problems. So reducing blood sugar or reducing A1C reduces some of the risk. And diabetes is still a huge issue here, isn't it? Uh, it is a huge issue, yeah. It takes up um, its uh, large portion of our day-to-day work. Wow. All right, hang on, Doctor. We're going to be uh, taking a quick break. We have more show to come. This is an open line show today. You can ask Dr. Sam Ives your question by phone, 651-989-9226. There's a line open. You can use it. Or if it's easier, uh, send a text. That text number is 818 807. Healthy Matters will take this quick break. Be right back. It's 32 degrees here in News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters, heard every Sunday morning here on CCO at 730 in the morning. Welcoming your questions by phone or by text. Uh, Dr. Hilden is taking the day off today. He'll be back again next week. But filling in uh, again is Dr. Uh, Sam Ives, who is answering your questions. And I know we have a lot of text messages, Doc. Let's see how many we can feel today. Sure. We'll try to get through a couple here. So someone, uh, one of our texters asked a question about taking aspirin for, uh, I assume, what's called primary prevention. So this is a very hot topic about people. Primary prevention means taking aspirin if you have not had a heart attack or stroke, so preventing it but not after secondary prevention, not after you've had an event. So what we do know is that this area is that many people who are recommended to take an aspirin a day probably do not benefit from this. 
Uh, it particularly matters what other illnesses you suffer from. It also matters what weight you are based on some studies. So in general, uh, what you want to think is that it's hard to make a really healthy person healthier. So if you exercise a lot, you're a healthy weight, you eat well, you may not benefit as much from aspirin. Now, if you're overweight, if you're sedentary, if you smoke and have other illnesses, you may benefit from aspirin. So your doctor, even people who have been on this for some time, we've really been taking some people off of aspirin because it seems like it's not helping very much for primary prevention. I want to emphasize that people who have had a heart attack or had a stroke, this is a very different situation where the guideline has not changed about the use of aspirin. I wonder why weight would be a factor in in aspirin use. Yeah, there's some interesting studies about weight and how it affects perhaps how you absorb aspirin. And so that there might be a sweet spot um, where if if you're a lower weight, you're getting more bleeding risk from the aspirin. And uh, if you're within a certain rate range, it seems to be uh, where the benefit might be. So it's something that you could talk to your doctor about. All right. Let's see if we can find another uh, text. Sure. So someone asked, I'm 57 years old. How often should I have a PSA test? A PSA test is a screening test for prostate cancer, and this is a controversial test. So uh, some listeners might remember getting PSA testing a good deal in the 90s, but this is a little bit gone out of favor because although we have a screening test for prostate cancer, it's not so clear that the test makes you live longer or do better. So prostate cancer tends to be a very slow-growing cancer, so sometimes when we catch it early, It just means that someone lives longer knowing they have cancer as opposed to actually doing better or living longer because of the test. They would just know they have the cancer for longer. So in general, your doctor could look at your risk if you're 57 and say, do you have prostate cancer in your family? Is this, uh, are there benefits to this test? Would you want it to be treated? How sick are you with other illnesses? So there is not a strict guideline as to how often to do the test. I know this is very controversial. It has been for quite a few years, but could uh, could a guy have a lower uh, PSA reading and still have cancer? Uh, that is possible. It's It's less common. Most prostate cancers will have an elevated PSA, but the tricky part is some people who have an enlarged prostate, which is fairly common in older men, will also have a high test. So this test sometimes leads to additional testing, leads to biopsies, and prostate cancer treatment is not benign or without side effects. So the best answer is it's complicated, and that often we'll talk with someone about their individual risk and why they may or may not benefit. All right, let's uh, see if we can help out some other listeners here. Sure. So someone asked, uh, can you still get a viral or aspiration pneumonia despite the pneumonia vaccine? Uh, And this is correct. So you can still get pneumonia or a lung infection even if you've gotten the pneumonia or pneumococcal vaccine. Now, it does reduce the risk of severe pneumonia, so we still recommend that, uh, but it is not perfect. So although not perfect isn't an excuse for not getting it. If you reduce your risk of a bad thing, that's helpful. All right, what else can we have uh, a couple of minutes, two or three minutes to go here, Dr. Ives? Uh, so someone asked about just uh, about what is fibromyalgia and could we talk a little bit about that? So fibromyalgia is uh, a fairly common painful condition where people have extra sensitivity 
in um, muscle groups and pain in multiple areas of their back or joints. Uh, fibromyalgia does not have a known cause, so it's a, a chronic illness that causes chronic pain. And it also is resistant to some traditional therapies, so it doesn't tend to get better uh, with uh, some types of pain medication. However, the good news about fibromyalgia is we do have uh, some specialists who treat this. Often people will see a primary care doctor or a rheumatologist, and there are some that can benefit these people, such as physical therapy and other types of activity that really can reduce the symptoms for fibromyalgia. All right, very good. I know we've had a lot of calls and texts about that the particular thing. Uh, two minutes or less to go here. Well, who else can we help out? Sure. One texter asked in saying, can severe dementia come out quickly? So dementia is uh, problems with memory along with other problems with activity. So uh, it's more common in older individuals. The most common identified subtype is Alzheimer's disease, but there are other types of dementia. Uh, Most dementia does not come on quickly. It's usually a slowly progressive illness. However, um, there can be kind of drop-offs in someone's condition. So someone might say, well, over the last year, they lost a, seemed to lose a good bit of memory or ability to function. And there are more rare types of dementia that are fairly quickly progressive over a matter of months. But those are much, much less common than Alzheimer's disease or the memory problems from Parkinson's disease. All right, very good. We are just about out of time. It's always a pleasure. It's good to see you again, Dr. Eisen. Thanks. I know you're a busy uh, busy doctor, and uh, we appreciate you coming out and filling in for Dr. Hilden. Yeah, happy to host any. Thanks for all having right, me. All right, have a, good, uh, have a good week, and we'll see you. I'm sure we'll see you again. I'm sure I'll be back. Right. Thank you. Th- thanks, Dr. Sam Ives from Hennepin Healthcare. By the way, we mentioned this earlier, and don't forget, if you have kids, grandkids, don't forget Hennepin Healthcare's Teddy Bear Clinic along with their favorite tattered, uh, tattered teddy bear. Again, you can bring it. It doesn't have to be a teddy bear. As I said, it can be a stuffed animal. Saturday, May 4th from 8 to 11 a.m. The event is a great opportunity to help the kids become comfortable with medical personnel and the uh, medical equipment they may experience on a visit to the doctor or maybe even a hospital. Again, Saturday, May 4th, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., uh, 730 South 8th Street at the emergency department. It's a big, fun event. Right now in the Twin Cities, mostly cloudy skies. North winds at 4 right now. Our current CCO temperature reading ahead of your money, 32 degrees. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.